Uh, those of you that don't know us, we are the Roseberries. Uh, Christine and I, uh, when we first met, they didn't give us six hours. They said we'd be dead or divorced. Uh, both of them came close. Uh, but this year we celebrate 43 years of marriage, and uh, we praise God for what the Lord has done. Uh, look, and we, look, once again, we can't thank God enough for the participation of Mo and the men that have come and joined us. And we are looking for more men. Uh, we're going to Hunt Correctional Center April 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, we're asking men to come join us if you'd like to be a part of it. Uh, Mo's putting together a team. As a matter of fact, if your pastor got arrested this morning, handcuffed, and went to prison, how many of you would go visit him? You know, but that's real because we visit pastors behind prison walls. And my next question I would ask is if you would visit your pastor, would you come visit Jesus? Because Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. For the past 37 years, we've been challenging the church to come and join us in our prison crusades, different prison events. It's awesome to see that you guys have Celebrate Recovery because we're challenging the inmates to get from the prison house to the praise house because if they don't get to the praise house, they're going to find the drug house. You know, so we know that the Lord has called us to this mission field. Men, I'd like for you to join your pastor April, I think y'all are coming on the 7th, which is the Saturday. Load up the bus. Come on the greatest fishing expedition of your life. Fishing for souls. Let's go visit Jesus. So we'd like to have you come join us. Get with your pastor. We'd love to have you. My wife also is going to be doing a women's crusade. I'm going to just let her share real quick, and then we're going to show a DVD of Little Lambs. Yeah, it's not a he-man's club. (laughs) We do have women's prison ministry in April 13th and 14th. I'm taking in a team of women. We can take up to 120 women into Tallulah. Now, this prison is about an hour north. Since somebody's shaking their head, they know where Tallulah is. About an hour north of Monroe. Um, But there's 600 women incarcerated there. And we're going to be going in for a crusade. We're going to be on the yard with the women's, eating with them, playing ball with them, playing cards with them. And then we're going to invite them to services. Once again, if Chantel was arrested. (laughs) come and visit jesus so i I need some ladies you know what we're not recruiting the world to go behind prison walls with us there's a stipulation you must be born again how many of you know you can't give out something you don't have we're not there to do a good thing we're there to do a godly thing and there's some people there's some grandmothers in there ladies that are 70 80 years old There's some moms in there, young mothers with four or five, six kids that just want to talk about their babies. People say, I don't have nothing in common with an inmate. Well, were you once a sinner? But for the grace of God, where would you be? So we are both recruiting for revivals. But in a minute, you're fixing to see a DVD about our children's program. And I was telling one of the ladies when we were here four or five years ago, We probably had 250, maybe 300 children in our program. Right now, we've got close to 600 children in our program. And in 
July, we have this wonderful opportunity. The Sheriff's Department in Lafayette called us, and they want us to do the very first huge family fun day at the Sheriff's Department, and they're going to pick out 100 inmates, and they want us to bring their children in to have a huge family fun day, playing games and getting to know their dads and their moms again. And all these new children, two to 400 are going to be put into our program. So we're going to take on a huge responsibility. But you know, if we don't reach them, church, the world's getting your children. And, And my passion is to reach them for Jesus long before they ever get inside of a prison wall. So I I do have a table set up in the back where you can sponsor a child for a book sack, where you can sponsor a child for a birthday. We've got monthly sponsorship for 15 bucks a month. You can sponsor one of our children and you get a packet with three pictures of them to help us do what we do all year long with these kids. Because my passion is to reach them for Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So enjoy the DVD. No popcorn, but you do have a movie, okay? So enjoy the DVD. Uh, how many, look, and this man told me this years ago. How many of you would like to give to a missionary like you've never given before? Then give your wallet to the person next to you and let them give like they ain't never gave before. I learned this from this man. This man believes in missions. This man believes, look, there are some churches that have removed prison ministry. And I thank God for a pastor that said, Brother Russell, we got to reach them. Brother Russell, send them to my church. So church, ask the Lord what he would have you to do. We're challenging the church. We need you to pray, play, and pay. You know, so we'd love to have you come and be a part of it. We'd love to have more prayer warriors come and get involved. And when you receive the offering, give as the Lord leads. Obey the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, by the way, if you are coming, you will get trained. Uh, so we do provide training, especially the, the rookies. You're wondering, hey, will I be trained for this? Yeah. And, and if you feel a little inadequate, you say, I'm a little nervous. Look, shake hands with, when I went into the prison, I shook all the way to the prison. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have the Al Capone story. Mr. Goody Two Shoes went and visited one inmate and 37 years later, we're doing it full time. So we praise God for it. Uh, look, uh, I did put this banner up. Uh, this banner basically shares all the different events that Interfaith has going on. So feel free to use your cell phone. If you say, maybe I can't make April uh, 7th, go to the men's prison. I'd like to see what Interfaith is doing. Okay, take a picture of it after church. That's one of the reasons why I've kind of brought it here to the church. A lot of people will come and say, hey, Brother Russell, when you're doing a crusade, when you're doing this. So visit that. You're welcome to... How many of you use your cell phones more today than ever before? We live in a cell phone society. So people today, somebody gave me the idea of saying, Brother Russell, why don't you bring it into church, let people take a picture of it. That way they'll have a year's glance of maybe how they can get involved. So feel free to uh, visit. Man, we're going to be busy. 29 events. So pray for Interfaith Prison Ministry. Uh, This year's theme is uh, Interfaith on the Scene in 2018. Uh, if you join Interfaith, you got to rhyme. You know, we started rhyming in 93, and I'm not going to go through all the rhymes, uh, but we went all the way to 2018. And this year, we, we feel like Interfaith being on the scene is not just a ministry. We're on the scene with the Word of God. How many of you thank God for His Word? Uh, by the way, it's by His Word that you got saved. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about you, but His Word is a sure foundation. Nothing else can satisfy you but his word. Now, 
Sometimes satisfaction, it doesn't go in sweet. (laughs) Sometimes it goes in pretty rough. But the end result is incredible. (laughs) Uh, I thank God that somebody shared the word with me. When he first shared the word with me, it went in little rough. But I thank God it bore tremendous fruit because my testimony real quick before I got saved, uh, I was involved in reincarnation and new age. And I thank God, look, prior to new age and reincarnation, I was on a job site. People, if you're working on the job site, be careful of your influencers. I had somebody who influenced me to reincarnation and new age and started believing in what he believed in. Prior to that, I was an altar boy in the Catholic Church, believed Jesus was the Son of God, then started believing Jesus was just a prophet. So be very careful of your influencers. There's people on the job site that would love to influence you. There's people in the neighborhood that would love to influence you. I thank God that this man stood on the word and he shared the word of God with me for the next three and a half years. We would be in a Bible study learning the word from seven in the morning till one in the morning. Excuse me, seven in the evening till one in the morning. We would be learning the word of God. It's amazing today. We, like you said, most sometimes we're in too much of a hurry to allow God to minister to his people. I believe God desires to minister to his people according to his word. So in being on the scene this year, we feel like we have a responsibility. As a matter of fact, you sang it this morning on Amazing Grace. When you were singing Amazing Grace, how many of you enjoyed that time this morning? When Amazing Grace was being sung, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not saying that the whole worship wasn't there because I believe worship is a time where the Lord embraces his bride. How many of you have had a tough week this week? Come on, you lie, you fry, you're in church. (laughs) You know, we have a tough, look, we live on planet earth. This is not easy. And thank God we can come into the church where the Lord embraces his bride and then gives us instruction according to his word. So I want to share some things this morning as we lean on his word. Mo, you, you, you shared, and, and I wrote it down. Mo, Mo talked about drawing near to God. Drawing near to God. And then the worship service sang, and they sang his word, my hope secured. My chains are gone. How many of you thank God? Chains are gone. <laughs> I've been set free, but in his word, my hope is secured. My hope is not secured in Dr. Field or Oprah Winfrey. My hope is not secured in Fox News or any other news. My hope is secured in the good news. My hope is secured in what God has given to a born-again believer. How many of you thank God you're born again? (laughs) Going to heaven. (laughs) You know, look, I praise God for what he's done in my life. 37 years. Prior to that, I was lost. Prior to that, I didn't know the way to salvation. And then his word was revealed in my life. I want to share some things about his word, and I don't know if they can put it on the board. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says some statements about his word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I don't know about you, but 
How many of you thank God that you can lean on his word? Why? Because the word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul, spirit, joints, marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. By the way, when he said the word of God is quick and powerful, it's got dynamite power in our lives. Church, when we leave here today, I pray that you're walking around like a, a lit dynamite. Because God wants to reveal his word to other people. God doesn't want his word to be shut up. God desires his word to be shared with others. When Paul wrote this, Paul said, it's a sharper than any two-edged sword. That two-edged sword, let me tell you something, to a believer, and it's got two edges. To a believer, I don't know about you, how many of you, as a believer, the word is encouraging? The word brings direction. The word brings understanding. The word brings clarity. To an unbeliever, and by the way, that's when you can tell you're witnessing to an unbeliever. To an unbeliever, it brings judgment. To an unbeliever, you ever, you ever witness a person and you, and, you, and you talk to them about the word and they say, don't judge me, man. Come on, you ever been there? It, by the way, if that's you, uh, you need to ask whether or not you're saved. If you feel like the word is judging you, because that, that sword is a two-edged sword. To a believer, it brings conviction. To a believer, it brings some direction. To an unbeliever, it brings judgment. And God is not a God that he should lie. And if there's one thing he's going to abide by, it's his word. If his word has judged you, repent, turn to a holy God. It's whether or not we want to lean on his word today. Do we want to lean on the word of God or do we want to lean on something that's a bunch of fluff? We go into the prisons and we hear a lot of fluff in the prisons. As a matter of fact, I travel in a number of churches. There have been some churches I've asked the Lord never to send me back to. Well, I thank God for this man. And I'm not trying to, you know, boast about a Mo Seneca. But I thank God for this shepherd that has a passion for the word of God. That has a passion to teach people the word of God. I've dealt with some pastors that they've told me, Brother Russell, I'll be honest with you, I much prefer teaching out of another book than the Bible. Some statements that the word makes about itself, and I, got, I can't camp out. I got to take a jet tour. I wish I could, but I got to take a jet tour. Some statements that the word says about itself in Psalm 119, 105. Anybody know what Psalm 119, 105 says? It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When David made that statement, he said two words. He said, thy word is both a lamp and a light. He, didn't just, he could have just said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. He didn't stop there. He said, thy word is a lamp, but if the lamp is not lit, the lamp is worthless. There are a lot of people that have a lamp today. But is it lit? Are we allowing the Spirit of God to illuminate the Word? Or do we just hear it on Sundays and we don't go home to search it, study it, find out what it says? No, we just take what the preacher says and that's good enough. By the way, don't believe everything Brother Russell says today. I pray everything I say is truth, but I'm not divine truth. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
And by the way, David didn't have batteries in his lamp. He had a lamp with oil. How much of you, the Spirit of God is convicting you because of his word? We're dealing with some issues right now of husbands, love your wife. Wife, submit unto your own husband. And today, married people want to live single, and single people want to live married. And leave church, not allowing their, the word to convict them. Forget about the messenger. Allow the word to convict you. Because it's the word that has brought salvation. It is the word that has brought deliverance. It is the word that has brought healing. It is the word that gives me light unto my path. And by the way, he said it was a light unto my path. He didn't illuminate it for the future. It's a day-by-day walk. Are you in the word daily? Are you in the word daily? Because once again, he said thy word... He said it was like a sword. If you're going to fight the devil on a daily basis, and you do, and you go to fight him with a butter knife, he wins every time. We wonder why we have the problems in America today, the problems in our family today, the problems in the churches today, is because we're trying to fight the devil with a butter knife and not the sword of the Spirit. It's quiet and I'm going to preach it anyway. Another thing the word says about itself, and these are statements that just the word says. These are some strong statements that the Bible says about itself. You ever wonder why the scriptures were printed? Why didn't God give us the scriptures in an iPad? And he could have. God is God. God could have shown up in the year 2000 and given the word an iPad. Why did he show up years ago and he gave the word in print? Remember when he first printed Ten Commandments? On stone. I want to share something with you, church. Print freezes truth. Print, and we need the truth to be frozen. We need the truth to stick. Because how many of you want to change the word sometimes? When you're going through some tough times, how many of you have wrote the Bible different? John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Once again, it's something that the Bible says about itself. You can take the word to the bank. Jesus said, Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. And only thy word is truth. How many of you have some library books at home? I got library books galore. I got a great library. But my library is not divine truth. My, My library is supplemental books. What is truth is the word of God. And Jesus said, sanctify them in thy truth. Separate them for a blessing. That word sanctify means that God would separate that individual, that person. He's praying for his disciples. He said, Take them and sanctify them. Set them apart for a blessing. They all died. (laughs) Was that a blessing? Yeah, it was. You know why? Because Jesus said he would build his church. And by the way, it has nothing to do with bricks and mortar. His church of born-again believers that will live and die for him. 
I don't care where you are in life. If you're not ready to, to go now when Jesus appears, then when he comes, you may be left behind. A lot of people don't want to share Jesus today. They don't want to be a part of that religious crowd. I was on the job site for 17 years. I thank God that God called me to serve him on the job site. One man came to Jesus in 17 years. And I thank God that he continually separated my life for a blessing. Let me give you a testimony. How many of you are praying for some co-workers on the job site? Because it's dog-eat-dog world in the, in, on the job site. I pray for co-workers. I worked for a company 17 years. One man comes to Jesus. I got eight people working around me. Eight people working around me, that, and I don't have time to go through all the details of living with heathen co-workers. Running around with their wives, wanting to go drink after work, wanting to go do stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel. I'd share the gospel. They'd laugh at it, thought I was too narrow-minded. And about three weeks ago, I'm coming back down from Shreveport, and I get a call from a co-worker that I knew and I worked with for 17 years. He actually called me on the phone. He said, it's Russell Rosebear. I said, yeah, it is. He said, it's Robert Paul. I said, Robert Paul, I hadn't heard your voice in years. I've been full-time for 22 years. He said, I, he said, I want you to say nothing else. He said, I just want to ask you to forgive me for being such a fool. I was foolish. I didn't want to listen to the gospel. But five years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, look, you want to know how I felt? <laughs> now I got two, I think, that are living for Jesus. But what was important to me to know that the gospel sunk in. As a matter of fact, he asked me a question. He said, is it always this hard? Now, he's been serving the Lord for five years. And he said, is it always this hard? I said, what you mean? He said, I'm trying to witness to my family. Is it always this hard? And he said, you know what I remember when I'm witnessing to my family? He said, I see your face. He says, because I'm witnessing to my family, church, don't give up on the job site. Persevere, press in, share the gospel, share the truth of the word. I was so excited to hear this. Yeah, one more man is snatched out of hell. Because only the word of God saves Church, we have the privilege and the honor of sharing the word of God. Sanctify them in thy truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. I got to go on. Psalm 19, verse 8, another thing the word says about itself. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was what? Was the word. By the way, when was the beginning? In the beginning. <laughs> Doesn't take a brainiac to really know when that was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't have time to talk about this, but just, just ask yourself a question. What was the Word and the Father doing in the beginning? Now, think about that, and maybe you'll come with Mo and say, Mo, teach on that one night. What was the Word and the Father doing in the beginning? You think they were twiddling their thumbs? But the Word makes a strong statement. It says, in the beginning 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You and I have the Word in written form, truth, frozen, for our purpose, that we can explain to the world about God in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And by the way, I know Mo asked me to finish at 12. How many of you know sometimes the saints go over time? Now I'm respecting your time, and I want to respect the pastor's time. But sometimes the saints go over time. By the way, if they was in the Super Bowl and they went over time, how many of you would stay and watch? Sometimes the saints go over time. Matter of fact, lock the, sock, lock the stadium. Sometimes you got to do that because I believe God wants to do some stuff to get us to church. We need to know more of his word. We need to lean more on his word. When he mentioned this, when he talked about he was with God, a lot of people today say, you know, that, look, we got the people that don't believe in a Trinitarian gospel. Take him to John 1.1. 1, 1. There's at least two. When you start saying there's no Trinitarian gospel, you disconnect the scriptures. You tear apart the Bible. I believe the word of God has all the answers. But there are some churches today, and they're all out there, that are defragmenting the Bible. The Bible is our only source for leaving this earth and enjoying heaven while we're here. I'm going to try not to do the, jet, the, the, the camp out, okay? I got to go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. By the way, it was written by man, but inspired by God. It was inspired by God because you can bank on it. How many of you would not have written the Bible like this? Oh, yeah, y'all all holy. Y'all would have wrote it. No, no, you wouldn't have wrote in the Bible. You wouldn't have written the Bible to kill babies. God didn't have a problem to bring judgment. You wouldn't have written the Bible when it deals with homosexuality. Because we're fighting that today. By the way, homosexuality is an abomination before God. Today we say, well, we're going to lock you up in prison. for Lock me up. I've been in prison for 37 years. We haven't revival in prisons. The word of God is going to penetrate into the heart. We're dealing with issues to what today to where some of the churches think it's okay for a man to live with a man and a woman to live with a woman. According to Leviticus, if a man lives with a man, a woman sleeps with a woman, the Bible says it's an abomination before God. When scripture says all scripture has been inspired by God, God wrote the Bible through man because God wanted to express to man what he loves and what he hates. And there are some things God hates and what God hates, Christians, you should hate. And don't come with, don't judge me. The word of God is a sword and I pray it cuts. I pray it cuts and brings conviction. If it judges, repent. 
still love me? If you don't, <laughs> it lets me know which side of the fence you're on. Proverbs 3 and 5, another thing the word says. Anybody know what it says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And all your heart don't mean that that pumping vessel. It talks about all of your being. There's some things God's going to send you through in life that you're going to have to trust him. He's wanting to take you to the limits to let you know that he's God and you're not. There's some things that are going to take place in your life. You're wondering whether or not you're going to pass the test. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. How many of you need some decisions to be made? Some things maybe that the Lord's doing in your life and maybe you're wondering whether or not you know you could trust him in this. You could, how many of you want to trust him in your marriage? Look, I thank God my wife and I, when we first met, they didn't give us six hours. And it took trusting in the Lord to keep our marriage together. I dropped her off at her mom's house like a dog, so you can have her. Some of you don't know my wife and I's testimony. When we, look, when I woke up to a rifle in my face one day. She said, you move, you a dead man. I said, I, I surrender all, baby. She had the rifle. I had to trust in the Lord with all my heart that God was going to do a miracle in our marriage. She still wanted the nightclubs, the jitterbug clubs. I was done with dancing with the devil. I wanted to serve the Lord, and she wanted to go. She was a great dancer. She wanted to go dancing, and she'd take off and go dancing. And I would have to trust in the Lord with all my heart. God, somehow, some way, you're going to take this mess and turn it into a message. I never forget. I don't know if Pastor Moore has these consulting sessions, but when you go into his consulting office, you don't, don't, don't feel bad about it. Go and make sure you get some advice from your pastor. I lived in my pastor's office. When Christine and I, I'm telling you, when we first met, look, some of you don't know about, you know, some of the stuff. Christine, today, Christine and I today, I mean, we're living for God, but back then it was, Lord, we trust you. We, we believe in that you're going to bring us through this. Then he calls us full time into the ministry. I don't have time for all of that. In Psalm 119, verse 11, verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. By the way, we don't hide the word in our heart so we, you know, we don't sin. We're hiding the word, our word in our heart so we don't sin against a holy God. How many of you sin? How many of you want to sin less? <laughs> You know, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, I, I teach about football. I teach that football is, the game of life is like a football game. And I share with the church, how many of you know you was getting ready for the game this morning? By the way, the coach gave some plays to run. You know, I pray that you ran the play, you, you, you know, you know what the plays are this week. Coach is giving some plays. By the way, I'm a, I'm a specialist coach today. And one of the plays I'm giving to run this week is lean on the word. <laughs> lean on the word. Lean on the word. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That football game that the game of life is like, you and I was preparing for the game. And as we preparing for the game, you know, it's just like, the, you, ever, you ever see football players and they get ready to prepare for the game? 
They prepare for the game and men punching each other in the chest, men punching each other on the behind, men patting each other on the behind. They're getting ready for the game. They're jacking each other up because they know there's a defense that they're going to fight. You know, you was getting ready for the game. You know how you was getting ready? You was worshiping. I'm getting ready for the game. Corporate worship brings us and gets us ready for the game. One body, one team, many members. We all got to run a play this week. But on getting ready for the game, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Said, I'm going to ask you to come up here if you don't mind. I, I know this brother. This brother's actually coming in the prisons with us. Appreciate you coming and joining us, brother. Look, I'm going to ask you to get your Bible. By the way, that's your football right there. You can't win without the football. You can't win without the football. Uh, David said, Thy word have I hid where? In my heart that I might not sin against God. I got a running back that ain't going to fumble the ball. This running back ain't going to fumble my ball. Because in order for him to score, he's got to score with the ball. So what I'm going to do with this football, if you will, or thy word, I'm going to take it and do what as a running back? I'm going to take it and tuck it deep. See, I ain't going to give it to him right here. Because I don't want him to fumble the ball. I'm going to tuck it deep. That's what David said. Thy word of a hit where? Deep. In my heart that I might not sin against God. Too many of us are taking the word and we don't tuck it deep. No, we got it right here. And let me let you know something. That devil who is wise, that devil will take the ball like a defense and he will put it in your face. And you know what he'll say? I got the ball now. What you going to do with it? I see a lot of homes tore up today because they've given the devil the ball. They've given the devil the responsibility of the home. And you know what he says? I got it now. You can't score. What you going to do now? Let me tell you something. The Bible says the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God has called us, like David said, thy word have I hid in my heart deep that I might not sin against a holy God. If we don't allow the word to sink deep into our lives, once again, go fight the devil with a butter knife. He wins every time. How many of you want to score? (laughs) For the right kingdom. How many of you want to score for the right kingdom? How are you going to hold the ball this week? By the way, the decision's yours. We all have a decision to make when we leave church. We can either be the church or act like the world. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. And let me let you know something. Men, women, there's, there's the opposite sex that wants to tempt you to the hilt. And if you don't hide the word deep, <laughs> the devil's going to get you to fumble the ball. We deal with a lot of issues today on sexual misconduct in the church. In the church. The devil has known how to come into the church and cause the church to fall into sexual sin. Don't hide the word deep. Fight the devil with a butter knife and he will tear up your home. He will destroy relationships. 
God's not done with marriages. God's not done with family. You're still breathing. You're still a part of a body that cares for you. But I want to encourage you. Take it and put it deep. Don't carry it here. It's just another message. No, his word was given that you and I might have life and have more life more abundantly. I thank God that my wife and I have stayed faithful to one another, but don't think Susie Q hadn't shown up. I preach a message, it looks good, but I'm full. I preach it in the prison, out the prison. As a matter of fact, I preached it by one day, the way I got the message, I was at Ryan's one night, Christine and I had just finished eating, and we'd finished eating, I gave her some dessert, I said, babe, would you like some dessert? And she said, ah, it looks good, but I'm full. I thought, I'm going to preach that. But before I preached it, I had to walk through it. And on my way to the post office the next morning, there's a young woman riding a a bike in summertime. How do you know women tend to shed their clothes? Not just men, women, men as well. And this young woman was riding a bicycle with a little bit of clothes on. And I felt God deal with me on that message. Looks good, but I'm full. She fills me up. (laughs) Looks good, but I'm full. This morning, I spent time in the word that is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yes, I'm in a dark world, but not about to allow Susie Q to destroy my marriage. I thank God for one wife. I don't need another one. One is plenty. Appreciate you, Seth. I'm just going to mention these scriptures. You're probably saying, man, praise God. Hallelujah. We have a responsibility, church. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, once we know that the word of God is true, once we know that the word of God is, it, it was with God, once we know the surety of God's word, we have a responsibility. The, the coach just gave you a responsibility, and I pray you take it serious. Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. Don't do it because of Brother Russell. Do it because the word says to do it. Jesus said he was there. You're going to visit Jesus, not a bunch of thugs. Yeah, there are thugs back there, but there are men of God and women of God. As the, as, as the scriptures teach us, and once again, you have a responsibility in Ephesians 6, 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the, word of the, and, the word, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have a responsibility. Put it on. In James 1, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Don't just hear the word. Ask God this morning, God, would you help me apply the word? Would you help me do the word? Would you help me live out the word? Because there's a world today, by the way, is not going to help you live the word out. But God desires for us to live out the word. And then there's a blessing for those that desire to know what the word says, be assured of what the word says, but desires to unpack the word. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, the unfolding of thy word gives light to the eyes. How many of you could use more clarity in the word of God? It gives light to the eyes and it gives understanding to the simple. How many of you are pretty simple? <laughs> I need more understanding, God. There's a blessing to those that unpack the word. It gives light to the eyes and it gives understanding to the simple. 
You know, I used to hear my pastor preach, and I would wonder if I would ever be able to do what he did. I wanted to be able to share the scriptures the way he would share them. And I see myself later in life, but it was, it is the, the way the understanding came was through the study of this. Today we have the word of God and we don't even have to read it. We can listen to it. And I believe we need to spend more time leaning on the word. And church, I don't know where you are today. I'm not, Brother Russell does never tell people, bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. I, yeah. My wife tells me I'm the worst for altar calls. I go to prison. If you tell people to bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around, you don't know what's missing when you pick your head up again in prison. These inmates. So that's kind of how I learned to do my altar call in churches. But church, if this morning, if you feel like, Brother Russell, I, I need to lean more on the word. I need to rely more on the word. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. I don't know where you are in life, but if you don't know Jesus, surrender to him this morning. He's not only a ticket to heaven. He's a life that wants to deliver you from hell. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, maybe you've just been coming to church. I don't know who you are, but you've been just coming to church and you need to surrender to the word. You need to surrender to the word that was with God. You need to surrender to what he's calling you to do.